Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. We give you thanks for your word. We ask you to bless us this time together. We give you thanks that we are called your people. We've been called out of darkness into your marvelous light. We've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. We've been filled by your spirit. We have... Uh, embraced your word as the commandments and directions for our life. Your life is our life. Your presence, O oh God, is our hope, O oh God. And we pray that you would bring us into your purpose for our life, that we would reflect your glory, Lord, that we would think your thoughts, speak your words, and live out this life as you have called us to, Lord, with multiple talents and giftings of all kinds, Lord, the multi form of your grace upon each one of us giving our best to you without excuses we give you thanks for your word that comes as truth lord and we will know and be intimate with your word and be set free lord so that we can live for your glory transform our thoughts and have us hunger and thirst for righteousness O god and we give you thanks for the plans that you have prepared for us to walk in O god let our families lord inherit all the things you have for us lord and that we would despise the things of this world, that we would embrace and receive the things that you have for us even before the foundations of the earth, Lord. Bring us into your life, into your reality. We pray in Jesus' name, prosper your word in our hearts and in our lives, Lord, that we would have a harvest that glorifies your name, Lord, a life that represents your work in us like a garden, Lord, that you are pruning and, and preparing and cultivating, Lord. Father, that your faithfulness would continue to work in our hearts and in our lives and in our families to bring us to the full capacity of what you intended to happen here upon the earth, Lord. And we give you thanks for the multitude and host of angels that take care of us as we travel, Lord. They bring us and they take us and they protect us, Lord, because you have sent them over our lives, Lord. We give you thanks for the church, oh God. We give you thanks for the family of God. We give you thanks for the call you have given us to change the world and change our city, change our families. Be glorified in all these things, Lord Jesus. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. A concern that we have as pastors is all of the time we spend sharing the word of God. And when everyone starts out with this life of Christianity, and I don't have much time this morning, so I will go real quickly. Much of the time we spend is trying to figure out what's going on. We come to Christ because he's the answer. We come to the Lord because he's the one that has the direction for our lives. He's pointing the way. So we come to him, and we were talking yesterday with Javier Cabrera. He says, Pastor, I need to come back. I need to go to a place where God gives me comfort and protection and a purpose and, and blesses me and prospers me. And I thank God for him to be here this morning. Why? Why? Because he's just like me. I need God as much as he does. I need God's purpose. I need God's protection. I need God's comfort. And in all these things, as God is calling us to himself, and how many thank God he calls us? All those of you that are thirsty and hungry for righteousness, come. Amen. I love that. Because God could really say, get the heck out of here. I don't want to have anything to do with you. But he says, he opens his arm, he says, come. Come, I want to give you so you never thirst again. And that to me is glorious. But you know something? When we come, we come sometimes with an agenda. And the agenda is, how can I take the form of the things of God when it's not a reality? There's an old saying, fake it till you make it. 
You know, act like you're there, and, and, but you're not. And guess what? There's no room for faking it in God. Either you got the stuff or you got the fluff. Either you got the real thing or you don't have anything at all. And sad enough, when we come to Christ's invitation, we come with all the foolishness in the world. He knows. He knows. He knows. We, we could try and deceive others, but God knows. He weighs the heart. He knows how much you really are pursuing Him and how much you're not. How much you're trying to sell yourself as a Christian when you're not. Not born again. There's been people in this church for, for a decade and they, they're no better off today than they were 10 years ago. Because while it was an appearance, there was no substance. And so I'll tell you how it works many times. And the name of this message is carrier of God's life. Either the life of God has visited and you've welcomed it and it is there. And the people that come across you are impacted, not by you, not by your religion, not by your intellectual knowledge of God, but by His presence. That they could see it's no longer you who lives. You have been died and buried. And the one who rose again is the power of the life of God in you. And now the life that you live is no longer yours, it's His. So it becomes evident in our words, in our thoughts, in our actions, our priorities, our agenda. We have been transformed. And this life is, has come upon us. And if you're a real world changer, you're going to have this life coming out of your pores. Jesus was trying to tell His people that, that this was the visitation of all that God had was on our capacity to come together. And when you don't have the life of God, you can't come together. You have your own agenda. You have your own priorities. You're not, you're not married and in covenant with the work of God. I could walk with Jimmy Conejo from Ecuador and with Guillermo Aguayo from Peru and, and with uh, Dale Bronner and Desmond because these are all men who have forsaken this life. They have, they have told this life, bon voyage, I don't want you. I want the life God has for me. So when we get together, it's like this. There's, there's, there's a communion. There's a working together. We're from different countries, different ethnic backgrounds, different traditions. But we have forsaken all that, and we've come into the life of God. We have no private fortunes. We're not seeking merit and celebrity in this world. And if you come to our meetings and you, you come to our gatherings, we're trying to figure out how can we cultivate the life of God further, more, real. I want people to be able to touch and be transformed, not only by my, my presence, my shadow. Even like Peter and, and the apostles that follow Christ, their shadow would heal the sick. Our shadow makes people sick. Our influence, when we talk with somebody, hey, you're the credit, you know, the credit, the, the interest has gone up, oh, my loan, you know, I don't know what to do, my credit card bills are stacking up, and, and our shadow, our influence around the people we're at, get them sick. I'm a man of God, and when I get around those shadows, I get sick. Start getting the flu and a runny nose, right? But God wants to deposit his life in us so that our presence, just our presence, forget about preaching, our smile 
will transcend the life of those people around us. They'll sit there and say, I don't understand. There's a crisis in the world. Crisis for you because you're outside of the kingdom. The kingdom is a place of provision. I will give you my daily bread. You'll lack nothing. And so the life of God, and these men that were coming to Christ were trying to hear these things. In Matthew chapter 18, I got to hurry up, hurry up. Matthew 18, verse 19, he says, again, I tell you, if two of you come together in agreement, when's the last time you tried to come into an agreement with someone? It's virtually impossible unless both of you have the same interest. Both of you guys are not seeking your own. There has to be the true presence of God. God is love. And if God is present, then there's going to be a gathering of people that come together and ask God for anything. Anything they ask will be done for them by their Father in heaven. And that's a great promise. But it requires an agreement of people. And people don't even agree with their wives who they've lived with for 15, 20, 40 years. There's no agreement. So there's no asking for anything. There's no coming to pass with what God has for us. So this concerns us, those of us that desire these amazing verses. We're like, wow, are dreams coming true? If we come together in agreement? And then when we're reading this, in verse 20, it says, For wherever two are gathered in my name, there I'm in the midst of them. That's a glorious promise too. The God of the universe will be here with us if we attain agreement. If we gather in one same course. Well, you know something that as we read these things, you have to find some type of technicality. We got to find out how we're going to come into this fortress that it seems an impossibility. Because if we can't get together in agreement with our spouse, our children are not going to get into agreement with us. Our family's out of agreement. And when we come to church, we can praise God all we want. But we are so far in agreement that God cannot do much in our world. God cannot do great big things because we have an issue. And our issue is that we are offended by even how some people smell. How some people look. You, you say the words, this guy rubs me wrong. This, I can't, you know, just the, even the clothes they like to wear, I can't stand. So we have all these issues. So here comes Peter, and he says like this in verse 21. Peter came up to the Lord, and he says, Lord, how many times may my brother sin against me so that I can forgive him for what he has done? If this is about agreement, if this is about seeing the glory of God, then I want the numbers that I need so that I can partake of this reality. I want you to give me the religious requirements so that I could attain the promises of God. Well, guess what, my friend? This morning, God is telling you that this is not about you uh, type, trying to find out the standards of one, two, three, okay, I'm in. No, no, no. Jesus says, you want to know the number? And he, he comes up and he says, Lord, how often shall I forgive them? Up to seven times? He even offers a number. Why did Peter offer this number? 
Because according to Jewish tradition, according to the rabbis, those that wanted to most please God, they only had to forgive three times. So once a rabbi had somebody, uh, he, he would forgive him three times. He didn't have to forgive him anymore. He says he's done his thing. He gave him three strikes and you're out. So Peter says, I'm going to stretch this. I'm going to tell the Lord, I'm not only going to do it twice over, which is six. I'm going to do it one more, which is the number of perfection. And once I'm in, brother, I got heaven's glory coming to my life. And you know what Jesus says? No, it's not seven times. It's 70 times seven. If the life of forgiveness is not in you, forget about counting numbers and trying to be religious. Forget about going to church a couple times and saying, you know something, I'm doing all these things, so all these things. No, if the life of God, what is the life of God? Jesus Christ. If he's not inside of you, you're wasting your time. You're becoming religious. That means that you will only act on the basis not of a life that is real, but based on your capacity to keep some regimen or some type of instruction. And we're not here solely to keep some regimen or instruction. We're here to have the life of God inside of us. So that it doesn't matter how many times they offend. And I've tried. Trust me, I've tried. I've tried to say that's it. It's been 12 years in this church. I'm not forgiving anybody else. But the life of God doesn't allow me to. The life of God does not allow me to. And then. This is not a distraction, huh? Let's mess up the sermon here. The life of God does not allow me to keep numbers. If the life of God is in me, if it's being cultivated, I can keep no record of wrong. Because it's not me who's living. It's Christ, a reality inside the corporal body. And if you don't have that, I don't know what you're doing in Christ. I was telling Javier, Javier, what is your motive to come back to church? Is it to be part of a church? Is it to be amongst good people? You're going to be hurt. Because there's no not one that's good. But if you want to love Jesus Christ, if you want to grow in Christ, if you want to prepare yourself to become a man of God, then this is the right place. If you want to honor God, if you want to love Jesus Christ, this is the place. Peter, do you love me? Be around my people. Love my people. Serve my people. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. And so this is the reality of what in each one of our lives has to be real because if it's just something we're putting on I've already forgiven them seven times I've already I, one time in 1942 she she made and then I 57 and listen either Christ is a reality in you and it moves you and it sets your agenda and your calendar I don't have time to go to a missionary trip mister You've been everywhere but a missionary trip. Don't tell me you don't have time. The life of God is not in you. That's why you're not moved according to the Spirit of God. You have time for all things. But we want to be religious. So Peter, Peter got blown away. He said, how do we understand this four, uh, 40 times, uh, 7 times 40 or whatever it is. Let's go to that verse. Um, verse 20, 22. 
He says, Peter, it's not seven times. Quit looking for that, that qualification. Oops, I made it. Now, now I'm, heaven is open towards me because I was able. No, I don't say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Is the life of God in you or it's not? Are you a real Christian or you're just, you're just a fly-by-night? And so all throughout scriptures, we see men coming up to Jesus and asking him these horrific questions. It was there in, um, in Luke chapter 10 that a rich man, a certain lawyer comes up to him and he says, what must I do to have this life? How do I get this life? And he says, well, what's it say in the commandments? Luke 10 verse 25. What's it say in the word of God? If you're not living your life according to the word of God, you'll never have the life. In him was the life and that life was the light of men. What should I do to have this life? Verse 26. He said to him, what's written in the law? Are you reading the Bible? Are you cultivating that life? What is your reading? How do you understand it? Verse 27. So he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 28. He said to him, you have answered right, Jesus said. Do this and you'll have that life. Keep my commandments and the life will begin to, to flow out of you. But it's much more than that. In verse 29, he says, wanting to be able to really find himself right, he says, who is my neighbor? You know why he wants to ask, who is my neighbor? Because he wanted Jesus to say, this is your neighbor. Stand. This is your neighbor. Let me see. Here's another neighbor. Come on. This is another neighbor. Oh, we have a neighbor over here. He wanted Jesus to do this. All these people, stand up, neighbor. These are your neighbors. And I said, okay, come here, neighbor. Come here, Marcel. Come here, Amanda. Stand right here. These are my neighbors. This is what they wanted Jesus to do. Stand over here. You guys are my neighbors. Okay? Since these are my neighbors, I come and I say, I love you guys. You guys are the best. You could count on me. <laughs> these are my neighbors. This is religious. If this is what you call a Christianity, somebody who goes to church and, and gets along with Christians and treats everybody else like a non-neighbor, you're not a Christian. You don't have the life of God in you. You can't. You know, people don't, usually don't have problems with me. Here at church, everybody's like, hi, pastor. Oh, pastor, I'm a, you're my neighbor, pastor. But they go back to the kitchen. You should see them. They go to the bookstore. They, they get demon-possessed. Why? Because nobody's the neighbor except the pastor. And a couple brothers in the church, they like, no, you don't have the life of God in you. Don't be asking, who is my neighbor? Because then he gives a parable. And he says, who was the neighbor to that guy that was on the street beaten up? It was the Samaritan guy. Thank you, guys. Our religion leads us to not have the life of God in us. So everybody loves and respects the pastor because he's the, some of you. Because he's the pastor. But listen to me. You don't have the life of God in you. That's why you don't respect the children. You don't respect the Sunday school teacher. You speak bad about your mother-in-law. Why? Because the life of God is not in you. And God wants us to have this life in us. And this life is the light of men. As 
people see us. How does he love his mother-in-law? Look at that. Because he's a man of God. The presence of God is inside of him. He speaks that life. And some of us don't. So when he told them, who is my neighbor, he says, man, you don't have the life. You don't have the reality. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 16, another man came up to him. And he, he ran up to him and he says, teacher, what is that one thing I must do so that I can be called a Christian? Now it's not people, now it's things. If I could do that one thing, I'm going to tithe and then I'm a real Christian. No, you're not. Christianity is not about doing that one thing, going to church, reading your Bible. No, it's the life expressed in everything you do. And when God speaks to us in those terms, that's when the line starts forming out of the church. They just proved I'm not a real Christian. I'm not a real man of God. I'm not a real woman of God. Because I can keep rules. I could keep a day. I could respect the pastor. But don't tell me every day, all the time, with all the people everywhere I go. What are you, a fanatic? No, I'm a man of God. I'm not playing religion. I don't go to temple with my best clothes and act like if I know God. God lives in me and through me. In the words I speak and the places I go, wherever. That, that was funny because up in the mountains uh, with Jimmy and, 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 and Mexico uh, and Mexicano uh, Jose Medieros, they grabbed my luggage and it didn't fit in the car so they threw it outside the car. It was freezing cold so the, the luggage kept the door open. So they're like, get this luggage out here. They threw my luggage in a puddle, all the wet snow. Hmm. And they said, Pastor, what happened? You just preached. The life of God needs to come out of you. I go, I'm trying. I'm trying to show you some semblance that I'm not going to rip your head off or offend you or curse you out or tell you how I feel right now. Because Christ needs to come out. Christ needs to be manifest. Galatians 1.16. Paul says, God entrusted me to be the one to manifest Christ in my body. He wants to manifest to reveal his son in me. Say in me. Is Christ coming through? Are, are you walking in obedience and submission? Are you a servant? And if you're not, then Christ is not in you. And you are not in Christ. To reveal his son through me that I might preach. How do you preach? Letting God come through you. Amongst those people who don't know God, the Gentiles. That's the way that this gospel is to be lived. So then finally, that one good deed is not one good deed. It's a life of good deeds for those who walk a real Christianity. In John chapter 5. Verse 38. He tried to confer his life over onto people. He tried to to deposit the spirit of who he was upon those that would come. How many are being blessed this morning? And saying, Lord, I want that life. I don't want a religion. I don't want an appearance that I'm a Christian, but when I have circumstance, then the monkey comes out. No. 
Either it's there or it's not. Either you're cultivating that life or it's not. Either the Spirit of God is, is upon you or it's not. Behold, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's called me to declare good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to live this life as a real Christian, as a man who has received the Spirit of God. And so he says like this, you have not heard, not his word, in your hearts, because you don't believe, you don't adhere, you don't trust in him who was sent. You don't keep his message living within you because you don't believe the messenger. Verse 39, you search all the Bible. You go to every Bible conference. You go to every Bible uh, school. You go to every scripture, to every Bible study. You search and you pour over the scriptures because you suppose that you will find this life in this word. And this word needs to be made flesh. And this word needs to be made a reality. You might know this word up here all you want. But if you're not walking in the wisdom of this word, you don't have the life. If when you go make a decision, you go consult with ungodly people, you go talk to those people that are living according, you don't have the life. You're not going to see the supernatural. You're not going to glorify God. You search the scriptures, you think you're going to find this life in them. But they all talk about me. This talks about the life that's in Christ. And if you're not, if you do not have the son, 1 John says, you do not have the life. If the son is not living there, and I can tell why the son is not living there. Because as long as you're being told what to do, listen to me. As long as pastor is telling you, hey, nene, uh-uh, then you're doing it. But when nobody's telling you, man, you're no different than an unbeliever. You're just running to the appearance of believing. But this life we have is the life of the Spirit, of people moved by the Spirit of God. Not, not somebody told what to do. Some of the husbands over the years that we've ministered to, they said like this, their wife hate their guts. Why? You only do what the pastor says. Do you think that's the life that God has given us? No. The life of God has been deposited in us through His Spirit. And that spirit leads us to manifest his life in things the pastor has not even told you to do. But the spirit of God has told you, has moved you. You've taken the burden as the spirit of God has come upon you. I'm doing the best I know how with the gifts God has given me. I want to perform at 100% of my capacity for the glory of God. How about you? You haven't told me to do anything, pastor. That's sad. Okay, I'm going to tell you, all of you do the best you could do for the glory of God. Live for his glory. Be consumed with his spirit. Fight the battles of the Lord. Bring back the plunder of the championships of the fight you have uh, fought for him. It goes on to say, in, um, and, and they were teaching this all over the place, but here in John chapter 6, verse 63, he says, only the spirit of God brings this life. It is the Spirit who gives this life. And whatever you do in the flesh, counting how many times you have to forgive, how, who's your neighbor, uh, what you have to do to inherit. Listen to me. That's garbage. That'll give you an appearance that you're a Christian, but you're not motivated, my friend. And you know who's the first person who knows you're not a Christian? Your wife. Your children. You're not motivated to do anything for God. If you were given uh, an opportunity to do anything for 
that you wanted or an opportunity to serve God and be sold out for him, you would move in this direction. So you're living a religious appearance, but you've done nothing that shows that God is in you. And this was, this was the battle with Jesus and his followers. They wanted to know how many times to forgive, how many times they had to, uh, what they had to do to get the life, they, what, what they're going to do to be able to accomplish this reality. And he says, no. Who's my neighbor? I'm not going to tell you. If you're not a neighbor to everybody, if you don't forgive every time they offend you, you're not a Christian. You don't have the life. You don't know God. You're separated. You're walking in death. Because it's the Spirit of God that gives life. And the flesh doesn't help for anything. The words, this is where it all starts. The words I speak to you are spirit. The words I speak to you are life. Are you listening to the Spirit of God? Are you allowing the Spirit of God to dictate your reactions, your actions, your life? Where you go, your agenda, your treasures. I tell my kids all the time, they say, Dad, are we going to, I don't know. I'm following the Spirit of God. I don't have my own agenda. I don't know why I go to Switzerland and not to um, Fiji, not to uh, Indonesia. That's part of the world. We're going to be going there. But, but now is the time to listen to the voice of God for what God is doing now. And you guys all know I'm real good friends with Pastor Guillermo Maldonado. He's at one of the largest churches in town. Fifteen years ago, he was inviting me to travel with him. And I never went on one trip with him. Because I'm not interested in traveling. I'm interested in doing the will of God. I'm interested in hearing the voice of God and going where God calls me to go and say what he wants me to say and do the things he wants me to do. And you guys also. The spirit of the Lord will fall upon all flesh in the last days. And it's not a matter of just conforming to the little religious requirements. We already went to church this way. We don't have to be. No. If you're consumed by the Spirit of God, you're like a drunken man. You're influenced. You're under the influence. And this influence has the fruits and the gifts of the Spirit for the building of the church, for His glory. So some of us have a, a mindset of the church, which is a, is a building. It's a good place to gather. This is called a temple, but this is not the church. We are the church. And how are you adorning the church? How are you imparting the giftings to the church by getting right with God and passing on in the spirit to other people to rise up. Let's stand up and we're done. But we thank God that we've been called to this life. We thank God that this life has already come and started moving in us and through us. And the more of this life comes towards us, the more it's tangible. Freaked out the day that a one of my clients owed me $6,000. And the Spirit of God came to me and says, go and forgive that man. And I'm like, that's not God. That can't be the voice of God. Go to cancel a debt. Forgive us our trespasses as we don't forgive others. So I said, God, if I don't go to his house right now, I'm going to reason why not to do it. So I drove up to his house, and he's outside. I couldn't even keep on going. And I pull up and I tell this man, listen, I want you to know that I've canceled your debt. He's like, what? Yes, God told me to cancel your debt. You don't owe me a penny. It's forgiven. 
And it's like, no, I'm going to pay you. No, you're not because I've canceled your debt. No, I get a check this afternoon. Listen to me. Go and forgive others. Ralph is the guy's name. I'll never forget his name. <laughs> Ralph. And you know what? Cancel debt. Why? The life of God is in me. Not the appearance of the life. The reality of Christ is what Christ would do. And so that's what God is calling us towards. That's why Paul says, I no longer live by being a Pharisee, by, by having accomplished this, by being circumcised on the eighth day. He says, no. Now, this is no longer about keeping records of where I'm at spiritually. This is, I consider all things garbage that I might go and attain the life of the upward call in Christ Jesus. That I might experience it. His sufferings, so that I could also experience his resurrection. Father, I give you thanks this morning. Make us carriers of the life of God. The spirit kills, but the, 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 the letter kills, but the spirit gives life, Lord. And that life is in your spirit, oh God. I pray, Lord, that it would come upon this church, come upon each person who hears this message, oh God. Father, we want to give forth the fruit of your glory, Lord, and not our, our human wit and wisdom and understanding. Let it be you in us, O oh God, that we might discern that which is good, that which is perfect, O oh God, that we might discern that which is acceptable. Lord, forgetting the times that we are counting, how many times we forgive, who's my neighbor, how, what I must do in order to inherit this life. No, God, we want the life. You are the life. Jesus is the life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Allow that to be reality in us as we impact this world, O oh God. Allow us as a church to have the life of God and remove away from us all religiosity. Father, we curse when we're not at church. We curse when we're not in front of a pastor or a Christian. But outside of this circle, Lord, our mouths are dirty, full of poison, full of, of the depth of hell, O oh God, because the life is not in us. You have said out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, oh God. We want the life of God to be in our lips. That our response and reactions would be the life of Christ, Lord. And we give you thanks for this church, Lord. We ask you to bless the families in this church, Lord. Multiply and increase their income and their prosperity. Prosper them in all things they do, Lord. That we might live for your glory, oh Lord. That we might see your goodness in our lives, oh God. That our children and our children's children might inherit this life. We pray in Jesus' name. And the body of Christ says amen.